A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. So in this episode of The Wellness Collective, we're getting dirty. We wanted to call it Dirt Girl World. Oh, come on. <laughs> I was trying to make it sound like it was going to be sexy dirt. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. Come on, Kringudis. Um, chicka wow wow. Exactly. It's sexy in its own way. Totally, of and course. It's something that we should all be thinking about at some point in our life. Mm-hmm. Probably not sexy the way you're expecting. No, we're talking about soil, not <laughs> dirt. But actual soil, soil today yes. and, and and agriculture and growing things. And you might think, why? Do you have green thumbs? Mm, pale green. <laughs> I accepted the challenge about, mm, I reckon, four years ago mm. that if I can make people more fertile in their bodies, I can grow plants at home. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good theory. Yes. And so... Because my mum would come over and she'd be like, oh, Nat, those plants. And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're just not good at it, mum. No, you have to actually put some energy into them. Now, and I'm guessing you don't have much time to garden. Oh, you should come to my house now. Yeah. Chris is like, another plant. Seriously, mm. I am like Amazon woman. Every every <laughs> corner of the house, every space that there can be. And then I get really mad at the, the team at work mm. when they don't look after the plants. Oh, so so you're talking few... about indoor plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, indoor plants are such I a thing now. I actually have a couple of lemon trees. And an orange. I have a lemon tree and I have a lime tree, an olive tree. Yeah, good. Yeah. Edible gardens, I'm into uh-huh. that idea. Love Mint. it. I love having herbs. Yeah. I mean, we have talked about how good herbs are for you in terms mm-hmm. of nutrition, mm-hmm. but they just make me feel happy. Mm-hmm. I love looking out my kitchen window and seeing I've got this rockery that's got chives oh. and sage and mint and wow. oregano. So you do. You're not pale green. Uh, no. You're I, up there with the best. I grew some tomatoes though last season and the possums ate all by about <laughs> three. So, mm-hmm. you know, I clearly can grow things whether I can keep them. Mm. But we do have a guest who's very patiently sitting there listening Mm -hmm. to us Mm -hmm. (laughs) talk talk about how green or non-green we are. And um, this guest knows a thing or two about getting dirty, so that's why I brought her in. Please introduce yourself, mystery guest. Hi, my name's Renata Cumming. <laughs> I, um, I studied agriculture at um, the University of Melbourne, Dookie campus. Um, and yeah, that's where I learnt about all things farming, which is, I guess, what we're here to talk mm. about today. Well, this all came about because <laughs> I know Renata and we're having conversation and I said something about soil being like the, the microbiome of the body. And Can I just stop you for a second? Yeah, How sorry. obsessed are you with this microbiome that you're even comparing it to mm-hmm. soil? I, I just had this idea that, you know, if we're spraying things, we're killing mm. the natural habitat or the yep. natural, you know, and if that's there's true. an overgrowth of something, why is it there? So I think that's how we arrived at this conversation. Mm-hmm. And then Renata was like, well, actually, <laughs> you can... Well, actually, I should let you talk about it, but yeah. basically you were saying looking at the weeds that grow, you can tell a lot about the soil and yeah. then and what it's need, what it needs, and this yep. is how we got here. That's okay, <laughs> I was like, well, that's like the microbiome. Let's yeah? let Renata yep. talk. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tell us about that idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, basically, soil is not dirt, and we call it, some people will call it dirt, but dirt is just you know it, it's it's usually um, something that doesn't kind of have a whole lot of the good stuff. Soil is where the good stuff really. So, leads. where would you find dirt? 
Just so that we can be clear. So, so you know, dirt is that kind of pile of rubble on like the side of the road. Like dusty stuff, like when you sweep things up and it's a bit of a... It goes all over you. Yep. You know, and that's like dust and... Yep, and there's nothing good in it. There's right. just nothing good in it. So soil. Soil is a complex, well-developed system of inorganic and organic material and living organisms. So when I'm explaining it to people, I definitely talk about things like the gut because it's so similar. We've, there's There's... Billions of different um, bacteria and microbes, microbes and, and organisms yeah. living in the soil. So many of them, we don't even know what they do. The ones that we have looked at, we know that they, they do so many different things and, and that they're really, really important, a bit like the gut and all yeah. of the things you talk about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and don't even get me started on earthworms because they're amazing. And really? We need, we need worms. No, let's talk about <laughs> earthworms. I've got a worm farm at home. They're like my pets. Do you talk to them? Yeah, I do. And they, I mean, they're a bit icky and they do get some friends that move into their worm farm with them that are even more icky, like, like what? maggots and stuff. Oh, but, but it's all healthy. And then I get the worm wee out and I mix it with the water and I go around the garden and I give out the worm wee. What's the worm wee? Renata? So if you have a worm farm, yes. um, there's liquid that comes out from the worms oh. consuming <laughs> things that are in it's your... Worm se- really? Yeah. Goodness me! Yes, it's a it's a highly concentrated form of everything that they've eaten, basically. Which and is it's like compost, basically. Or well, like kind manure. Of, it's sorry, like a, it's a it's like a highly concentrated manure. Yeah, yeah. Right. So anyway, it's pretty cool. But um, earthworms, basically, they're a really good indication that your soil's healthy because if if things aren't operating properly, you won't find earthworms there generally. Oh. Um, and all of the the um, trials, if you like, that have been done looking at earthworms where they've put earthworms um, in, a, in a patch and then they've had a soil um, patch very similar nearby that doesn't have earthworms. The soil with earthworms seems to function a whole lot better and um, has better water retention and, um, yeah, plants grow in it and better. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so earthworms talk- are just these standard, like, you know, when yeah, you go worms. fishing, a worm. The little it's not pink like guys. Special, yeah. Do they have a, a start and an end? Yeah, like, they do. Is one end like the head and the tail, yeah. or is it just like two tails? <laughs> no, no, they've got a head. How do they eat? I don't know. This is what you're, I'm asking the questions. You're, the, I don't... you're the health professional. How do you eat if you've got well, two I am bums? I'm not an, a worm acupuncturist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should try. Well, I don't know. Do they have like. To, yeah, well, I yeah, guess. So food goes in the top, comes out the end, put it on the garden. Everybody's happy. That's how it goes. I actually made a thing there. Where I showed you Natalie did. where my mouth was. Natalie, yes. Natalie where her mouth <laughs> was. Where her bottom was. <laughs> so, okay, fascinating. I'm learning. Good girl. This is good. Yeah. The so, thing I like about this is you might be listening to this episode and going, why are they talking about soil though? And yes, okay, it's like the microbiome, but that's not the reason we really want to talk about it because, of course, when you think about it logically, if you're trying to grow food in soil that's not healthy, then what are you going to get? Exactly. And so, soil. We can find out how healthy soil is. There's a there's a range of different tests we do, and farmers regularly will take a sample of their soil and test it to find out what's lacking. And what we're really looking for is is minerals um, and and what we can add to our soil to improve it. Um, and ultimately, for a farmer, it's about improving their profitability. So what do I need to put on my soil to, to yield better crops so that I grow stronger plants that, that will stand up? Like if, you were, if we're talking about a wheat plant, we want it to stand up as tall as possible. We don't want it to fall over um, because then the grain's not going to grow as well. It might get wet, it might rot. So we want it to stand up tall and strong. Um, and in order to do that, you need 
a firstly a, a good plant, so the breeding of the plant is important, but then the soil and what it, what it takes out of the soil is, is really important. Um, and we can do tests, and it's a little bit like we can do tests on, on humans. Um, and so, you know, we can, let's say um, we've got dry split nails in a human, that can be a sign that we're, we're lacking zinc and calcium. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the same goes for soil. We can, we can test the soil to find out if it's lacking different minerals, or we can actually have a look and see what the soil's telling us um, visually. And there are um, a growing number of farmers that are looking to weeds specifically to find out what's happening in their soils. And, and weeds can tell us some pretty cool things about about our soils. So do you mean the types of weeds that are coming up? Yep. Or the, the you know, the plentifulness of them? <laughs> yeah, so so the weeds that grow are usually an indication of what's going on in the soil. So um, a, a weed with a really deep taproot might be telling us that we have really compacted soils. And so uh, a plant that's got a smaller root system, like an annual, so wheat and barley oats, they, they generally have a smaller um, root system. They're going to struggle to thrive in a, in a soil like that. So we're going to be wanting to open the soil up and, and we can do that with a number of different ways. Um, you can you can put a plough through it and rip the soil up. We can put things like gypsum and lime on our soil and, and improve it that way. So I'm thinking about my house. We have really clay heavy soil where we live and um, we renovated our house. Everyone's sick of hearing me talking about it, but we haven't done the paving in a lot of patches. So there's like, you know, clay, rocky bits exposed. And I, it's interesting you say that because the things that are surviving in that rocky clay are like thistles. Yeah. And you can't pull them out. No. Their roots are stuck mm. right in there. And lavender plants. Oh. They've had all these little lavender plants seed. Pretty. And when you pull them out, they've got these gnarly little really? roots on them that are just like, right, I'm sticking in here and there's nothing you can do about wow. it. Wow. Mm. Good on them. Yeah. yeah. Right? So interesting. <laughs> I find this wildly fascinating. So we're talking about, in a sense, of um, regular farming. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, I mean, obviously, it's in the best interest of the farmer to look after the soil so yep. that it's taken care of. But maybe not all farmers would use this concept of the weeds. Or is this a relatively new thing? Like, it's not necessarily a new thing, but it's not a common practice. Mm. Um, a, a lot of farmers depends on what they're doing, and you know, it, it's some farmers at the end of the day they just want enough feed to grow that their their animals are fed, and you know, they're they're pretty happy just kind of mumbling along. Mm-hmm. It sounds a bit like it could be one of those ancient things that have just popped up again, you know, I'd to actually so, yeah. look at what's there and analyse that yep. rather than yep. making it too complicated, going mm-hmm. back to basics. Mm-hmm. And probably the farmers that I speak to the most who are looking at indication weed species are, are more kind of the biodynamic and organic farmers who are, are really looking for, for signs because they can't spray these weeds out. So they're, they're looking at, well, why is that thistle growing mm. um uh yeah and 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 that's a it's a really good way of looking at it and saying okay instead of just constantly going out and spraying weeds which we're actually creating weed resistant mm-hmm. weeds mm. and plants it's like as antibiotic well. resistance mm. exactly, exactly the same thing right I am so going home to have a look at what weeds I've got going on. <laughs> they tell you so much. They do. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we're going to take a quick break. After this, Renata is going to talk about what goes on with the soil here in Australia. Mm-hmm. 
We're back for the second part of this episode of the Wellness Collective where we're getting dirty. We're talking with Renata Cumming. We're talking all about soil. Australian soil is what's up next though, right? Because are we, you know, I would say mineral content of somewhere like, I don't know, rocky volcanic areas in tell me where, Italy or somewhere that was yep. Mediterranean is going to be very different soil from what Absolutely. we have here in Australia. In ancient rocky landscape. Yeah. Yes, and that, that nutrient, like that density is very, like if we look at our soil, it's, it looks pretty barren to me. I don't know. You yep. tell us. What's the difference and how does that impact our health? Yeah, so Australia is one of the oldest countries or continents in the world Um, and so basically we're saying it was one of the first countries to be formed and Australia has seen less volcanic activity in the last however many millions of years compared to some other countries and basically um, volcanic activity is what lifts um, material up from lower levels of our soil so it's it's actually bringing up rock, um, which is full of different minerals. And then different processes will break those um, big rocks down, um, which become smaller particles, which ultimately are what make up our soil. And so then it gets mixed in with other organic materials and and the like, and and soil gets formed. Um, And when you look at um, Northern Hemisphere countries, they had the Ice Age. Australia didn't. um, And so a lot of the, the, the top soils was ground down. So a lot of those, those big rocks was ground down into smaller particles um, and forming into really highly fertile soils. We kind of haven't had those. Um, we haven't had the volcanic activity. We haven't had um, as much of the Ice Age um, glacier activity. And then years of just harsh, harsh conditions. So um, rain and wind and heat <laughs> has blown away a lot of our, like, our topsoil. So we've seen a lot of erosion. So kind of yeah, it's the worst of all the world. <laughs> right, right. I'm feeling really confident in where we live right now. But I think we touched on the fact that if you've got all these minerals in the soil or you've got all these nutrients there, it's good for the plant. But then ultimately, does that plant then pass on those minerals to us when we eat them? So if they're not there, the plant can't take them up and then our food just doesn't have them in them. Mm. So, so we might be eating tomatoes thinking these are great, even if they're organic, mm-hmm. you know, great good tomatoes or yeah. leafy vegetables, whatever, but we don't know because we don't know what the soil... I know, I'm not trying to scare people, but, yeah, it, no. I'm, you know, bringing it no, down it's the, to... It's, it's, the it's truth. that basic. Yep. So you, you will notice that a lot of our vegetable production is done in kind of higher fertility soils. So, you know, Gippsland um, has some great soils. There's also climate things. So it's a cooler climate um, and rainfall and the like. So um, they all complement each other. And then when we look at things like our our cropping, so um, wheat and and barley, all our grains and stuff, generally that's happening out kind of Western Victoria and the Wimmera and the Mallee. and, And there are some good soils out there, but they are different. So they're perhaps not as highly fertile and the conditions are different. Yeah, that's what I think of. I grew up in the country, so that's where I, you know, mm. in the Mallee region. And when I think plains. of soil, that's what I think of. I think of the Mallee Plains, like the barren, like nothing's growing here. Is it red out there? Yeah. Mm. It's, it's certain red areas dust. are red. It's mm. dust. Yeah, mm. it, that's what I think of when I think of that. But you're right. There are other regions, I guess, and yep. and only certain things grow in certain areas. So you know what yep. wheat requires is very different to what apples require, for Absolutely. example. So for us, if we have our own, you know, little veggie patch at home or what have you, how do you know that you're getting as much out of your plants as you possibly can? And on that, we read an article a couple of weeks ago about um, 
people who are living in inner city inner city areas around Melbourne particularly had very high levels of lead in their soil. So they were growing vegetables and stuff, but then to consume them was actually really bad. So they thought they were doing the right thing, but because they were um, trying to grow their veggies in this old soil that had all these contaminants from previous, you know, decades of industrial uh, pollution and stuff that had settled on the soil, there was this lead element to their lettuces that they weren't expecting. I mean, it's so hard to know. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the best thing to do is to actually get your soil tested um, and a little bit of a Google search. It it help you find somewhere that you can send off a sample or take it to your nursery. They can test it for your pH and, and that kind of thing. That'll tell you your acidity and alkalinity levels. And from there, you can help. You, the nursery will help you make some decisions about what to do. But There's some good companies too. We've got a um, veggie um, edible garden mm. on our balcony at work that... Um, was donated to us mm-hmm. and um, sponsor of the show, sponsor <laughs> of the Natalie, um, and they come in and they put certain layers in so that, and then they come back and they check it for us all the time. And I tell you what, I feel like I'm invincible. Whatever I put, in, whatever we put in that garden goes, yeah. but it's not really me. It's them. <laughs> Just water it and feed it. I must say, that's the thing. You go and you get a bag of potting mix and you think, yeah, okay, that's got everything I need. I am the queen of gardening I didn't have to do anything. Got my wormwee and I got my bag of potting mix. I bought it from the shop. (laughs) Yeah, but what about potting mix though? That's not all made the same. You can buy like the cheapest one and all of a sudden you've got like all of these green little weedy things growing. Don't buy the cheap stuff. Yeah, right. There you go. That's If that's all you hear today, do not buy cheap potting mix because it's not good. (laughs) Well, if you take two, if you have two pots, and and you can do this as a test. Use the $4 potting mix in one pot and use the $12 potting mix in the other. Put two basil plants, one in each pot, and see what happens. Mm. I will put money on every single day of the week that the one with the the quality quality potting mix, it will thrive. Mm. On this, what are your thoughts about the psychology of soil. Now, the reason I'm saying this is uh, a lady I know is a psychologist and we were standing outside the school the other day and these two little kids were just down in the dirt right next to the crossing just with their hands in the so- in the dirt and the dust. Dirt. It wasn't dirt. It wasn't soil. No, it wasn't soil. It was dirt. Mm-hmm. Like this with their hands and there was dust everywhere and the mum was like, ah, what are you doing? And my friend turned to me and she goes, it's good for them. Psychologically, yes. it's very good. And... Um, I thought of that the other day when I got out there and I thought, I've got my gloves on, but I'm not going to put a face mask on and stuff while I've got the potting mix. I'm just going to enjoy being part of it. Why did you have the gloves on? Just get your hands in there. Well, because there's microbes and stuff in potting mix. You're actually not supposed to just get in there with your hands because some of those can be not so good if you eat them. But I'm not eating the dirt off my hands. Got a healthy biome. (laughs) But what are your thoughts about, you know, actually getting involved with soil and dirt? Like... How does it make you feel? You obviously love it. I do. I love it. (laughs) I've spent many hours um, with farmers driving around their farms with a shovel, digging up dirt, checking it out, seeing what's going on, seeing what the roots are doing, seeing if there's any worms. We go worm chasing. Not for fishing. We just look at them and then put them back. (laughs) 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 The more we find, the more excited we get. Yeah, right. Of course. (laughs) I love soil. Yeah, I think think it's great. And it's... um, it's exciting to to see something grow when you've put time and effort into it, and that's that's why 
there's you know so many farmers get so excited about soil and and also so heartbroken when they've done yeah. so many good things for their soil and then a bushfire goes through mm. and wipes you. But isn't that not out. good? Isn't a bushfire something that like then helps with regeneration eventually? Yeah, it can be, but when, it, when it wipes your crops, out your whole crop, I guess and you so. Harvest it, well, I that's think it's true. A bit but I'm just you know, I guess that I always think about you know. Natural new beginnings and new beginnings. Yeah, but yeah. that's probably okay if you've got your crops in. <laughs> of course, yeah, no, totally. I get that. I get that. But do you, so you think we're supposed to be dirty? You're supposed to have your hands in the soil. Yeah, um, look, I'm biased. So. Ah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's good I'm, for what they've discovered is that we are too clean, right? That then this is one way of being in. Um, and we spoke about this with Kale Brock in his episode. Mm-hmm. Is that you um, very quickly your microbiome shifts according to what you're exposing yourself to. Absolutely. And look, I totally agree. I think there are risks and it's it's something that I've, I've spoken to many people about before in terms of there are certain things like silage particularly, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, basically kind of um, like a, f- a fermented um, grass that w- we preserve to, to feed animals. Um, and you should never breathe that in because there can be living sp- spores. spores and stuff mm-hmm. that can cause, um, yeah, some pretty nasty illnesses and I, th- I believe that there are potentially some of those things in soil as well it, it, you know it's it's I suppose the risk oh, you life run is with risky. being alive life's risky wow living on the edge with the soil <laughs> oh I love it you really are dirt girl <laughs> I, th- I think though it also comes back to this idea that we keep coming back to time and time again that by making our lives less complicated and getting back to the things that make us human you mm. feel better about yourself and the world, mm. right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can sit in front of a computer and, and mull over everything you see on Facebook or whatever, but if you go out and spend half an hour with your hands in the soil and plant a few things or, you know, take a few cuttings and shove them in some soil, mm-hmm. not dirt, um, you feel like emotionally that can have a real resonance as well. Absolutely. I, I find it really interesting the number of people I talk to I come to the city and have dinner with mates who don't work in the ag industry and and they just start um, asking me loads of questions because they find this stuff really interesting and it uh, I think well, it's very other well we've become fairly disconnected with what we eat mm. um, you know back in the day everyone had a little veggie garden out the back and depending on where you lived I mean mum when she was growing up they had a goat that they milked you know that we don't we don't have that connection with food in the same way that we used to and um, and people seem to be very interested in in how their food is produced and and what happens which I think is important we should come back to knowing where our food comes from at least at the very least you know I think it's interesting too that at the moment there's lots of those cookbooks you can buy that are like you know eating for the seasons and Mm -hmm. if you've got a bit of land you should be growing this and doing that and preserving but then it can get a little bit overwhelming Mm. So I think this idea that even if you've just got a box and you've got a few herbs or you've got one tomato plant or you've got lettuces growing or spinach growing all year or something, it's just a little thing, but it gives you that idea and that connection to... And exposes you to that and you've got to plant Absolutely. it and whatever. Yeah. So I think that's important. And too. I'd also just highly recommend going to farmer's markets mm. um, and talking to the growers. Um, I know a, a grain farmer, a biodynamic grain farmer, they grow a lot of pulses and they go to farmers markets and sell their their produce and um and people get to to learn how a lentil is grown 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know how a lentil's no. grows? No idea. I <laughs> have no idea. Water? I don't know. How are lentils grown? They're, they're grown like a, a wheat crop in, in a big paddock. Um, and they're a, they're a nitrogen-fixing plant. So, Good. So some plants will take nitrogen out of the ground. So Tomatoes. Like, yep, and a wheat plant. And then we've got plants like lentils that actually take um, nitrogen out of gaseous nitrogen out of the air and with there's a bacteria that they work with um, that puts nitrogen into their roots and then when the plant is harvested and dies the roots start breaking down and it releases nitrogen into the soil it's brilliant so much smarter than we are (laughs) do you have any more stories about that symbiosis between you know soil and plants because i love it i'm Mm -hmm. fascinated by the Mm -hmm. fact that we just think plants are a bit kind of meh and just stay there and sway oh yeah but they're so much more complicated and interesting absolutely i mean there's there's also some cool stuff going on at the moment with um multi-species so agriculture traditionally has a lot of monoculture so what we'll see is one big paddock full of wheat or one big paddock full of corn and there are ways to either um manage that so in a Uh, say a a corn crop is really, really hungry and if we plant, um, say, a lucerne crop or or a lentil crop or something that's going to put nitrogen back into the soil before the um, corn crop, we're actually creating food for that corn crop. So it's costing us less money so we're not putting out urea, which is a chemical form of nitrogen. Then there's also this cool stuff where um, multi-cropping, so we're looking at multiple species within the same paddock. Uh So some farmers, I know a couple of farmers this summer who've just had um, nine, ten different species in one paddock. And they are doing that solely for the soil health. They do graze these crops with their cattle, but they're not doing it for their cattle. They're doing it for their soil so they've got some um, that are nitrogen fixing. Um, they've got some plants that have got really, really deep tap roots. So something like um, a sunflower is a really cool plant because they put down a really deep root and it goes down to lower levels of soil and it actually collects calcium from mm. the lower levels and then it brings it up to the to the higher levels of the soil near the surface and so other plants that need calcium can then access the Borrow calcium it. yep absolutely <laughs> then we look at um something um that has uh, a big tuberous root um, like a turnip and they're fantastic for opening the soil up so if you've got really compacted oh, soil yes because they grow into the mm-hmm. maker space yep mm-hmm. And then if it's not consumed, so if the animal doesn't pull it out of the ground and eat it, it will then break down, it gives worms food, it puts organic material back into the soil um, and that space that's opened up can then, um, the, the soil will crumble back in and, and it'll be aerated. Um, so oh, so many ahas. So good. Aha, look yeah. at that. And that also sense. when you've got all of these different plants that are drawing different minerals um, and, and doing different things, they will... Um, encourage different bugs and insects and we obviously want it's a little bit like the soil and the gut we want lots of different um bugs yeah, um to be diversity living. with yep, so we've, we've traditionally killed those though spray the crap out of that because yep. we don't want that that's annoying yeah we do that we absolutely do that and it and it's terrible so there is no bug that has no purpose right like they all play a role there's not any that are like null and void or a nuisance as such well, they're there for a reason yeah but yep. i guess it depends on what like, do flies serve a purpose? <laughs> yeah, because they break down food. Right, yeah. So and therefore they're annoying, things. but we yeah. need them. Yeah, yeah. 
Probably mm. not they, in uh, as high numbers as, no. as right. we get them sometimes, though. Right. <laughs> Lay their babies on rotting carcasses and the maggots go to work and off you go. That's not... Don't want to talk about no, maggots. No, I don't really... <laughs> <laughs> I find them wildly fascinating. What are dung beetles? <laughs> dung beetles are pretty cool, big, yeah. chunky beetles that will actually eat dung. And, they and make so they... Oh, they call dung beetles for a reason. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my yep. heavens. Oh, my yep. gosh. I've learned so much today. You have. It's excellent. I think one of the areas of agriculture that people do feel a little bit connected to is wine making because they often will go to a winery and they'll see the vineyard and they kind of kind of get it a little bit that what you're seeing there then moves on to, well, obviously a very large process, but then becomes the wine that you're drinking. Sure. So you've got that exact association with I'm drinking this and there's the plant it came from. Yeah, sure. Um, Vineyards are really cool as well. In Australia, a lot of our vineyards are irrigated. um, And I was over in France many years ago and I, being the uh, interested in agriculture person I am. Dirt girl. Dirt girl. I've spent, I've actually done a lot of holidays where I go and check out farms. Wow. Is that like a tax write-off? I'm just coming to check out your soil, mate. Totally. It can Ah. be, yeah. I went and checked out a heap of dairy farms in Ireland um, about 18 months ago. (laughs) It was one of the best holidays I've ever been on. I wish everyone could see your face. (laughs) Like you've gone to Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah. Show Um, me your soil. So we were talking about France and basically... it was so fascinating because they don't irrigate their vineyards in France. They have some of the oldest grapevines around the world and they have these massive deep tap roots that go down really, really deep How distances. deep are we talking? Like, oh, come on. Give us a visual. Oh, God. I, I'm not going to like get Like metres? Oh, more than metres. Lot, lots like and lots. Like tens of... of yeah, 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 right wow. to the centre of the earth. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe really, not. really deep. Yeah. And basically they can't irrigate these crops because if they irrigated it, they would they would have to be putting so much water on to get it <laughs> down, to, down to as far as the, the, these roots reach. And if, um, if they can't get it down that deep, the roots will actually just start dying because the roots that can access the water closest to the surface will continue to um, draw the water and, and everything else lower down that's well, not getting right. access to as much water dies off because right. it's it's kind of it's it's not as important anymore because mm. it, they have roots closer to the surface that are getting access to water and one of the um one of the things about the vineyards in um in france and these really ancient plants is that they're actually accessing minerals that are mm, really, really low down wow. and deep. like a water table below that they're getting into is it well yeah and and the minerals that are down in the, in the soil um down there are they're flavouring the grapes. Mm. It's, it's putting something different into the grapes. Wow. And so they would never want to alter alter that because no. it, would, it would change the flavour of the wine. Wow. Isn't that interesting? So basically, mm. and we've got some pretty, um, um, you know, great wine re- regions here, but certainly not ancient vineyards. No. no. Um, and that, oh, I just think that's really interesting. Mm. So, and, I mean, do we have it wrong then? Are we supposed to, because I think a lot of, um, I'm from Mordura, so there's, you know, there's a lot of vineyards you have in to irrigate when there's no rain, otherwise you have no crop. Well, that's true, yes. Mm. And there's certainly periods of drought, but I wonder, you know, often that I see the removal of, I mean, how long's an average vineyard last or oh, do they while. take them out? Like, how's that work? No, they, they, oh, keep, they just they keep it going. keep the vines going for as long as possible because right. they... 
I know this because my brother-in-law is actually a winemaker. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've learned so much today. <laughs> we'll get him this? on next time. Yes. We'll talk about, talk about wine. Talk about wine. There's a good idea. It's <gasps> a good topic. Yeah. Although not great for your hormones, uh, you know. In, uh, in moderation. Oh, my in God. In moderation. Hey, right. um, Renata, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for We never me. get to talk about soil, but this has been... Amazing. I know. It's been very interesting. I have learnt uh-huh. every, on every word. I've learnt something new. I don't think I knew any of that. I know. There's no like, oh, here we go. All oh, I knew was that our soils them. were lacking nutrients, so therefore we were lacking nutrients. You knew That's that about it as was much as I knew. like the microbiome and yeah. the gut, but yeah. how about that? Your brain just went kaboom. It really did. Mm. Hey, Cecilia, we just want to remind all of our listeners yes. that we love doing this, don't we? Oh, we do. Yes. So can you get on and do us a little review? We you love reviews. You don't have to say you love just, us. That's okay. There's just no pressure except for the fact that you just have to click five stars. No pressure other than five stars. <laughs> Whoa. How's the passive aggression from all I don't understand. Well, if you're going to do four, you're going to do five, right? <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. How is she? Hey, um, thanks for joining us on the Wellness Collective. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's been enlightening in, in a different kind of way. And um, until next time, we hope you are left a little bit happier, healthier. Oh, sorry, and better. There you go. <laughs> five big earthworms for you. Oh, it's so funny.